Well, guys, before we get into the show, we have some exciting news. The Bears have officially hired their GM, uh, Ryan Pohl, from the Kansas City Chiefs. And we recorded an entire podcast last night. Um, but, of course, that news comes out immediately once we uh, conclude it. And uh, so we're going to do, a, uh, I guess, a little precursor to the episode and, and talk a little bit about the move right now. So, Reese, we'll just start us off. What what were your initial thoughts when that came through? I know that it seemed like it heated up pretty quickly, and then all of a sudden we got the news, man, he's hired. Yeah, I remember seeing, uh, you know, kind of early on in the morning, the whole um, getting picked up from O'Hare deal. So it Which seemed, people were know, hating on. Can I? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but people were hating on that. I was like, that's... I feel like that's kind of cool. I mean, like that shows a little bit of like they do kind of run the McCaskies as much as we can say about how much we hate them. Like they do kind of run a little bit of a family business, which I think is appreciated. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have any particular issue with it. I know some people are saying, well, why don't you just send a limo? But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to fault the Bears for how they got this man from, you know, the airport to Hallis Hall. (laughs) They made it happen and they eventually made the hire. And, you know, in one way, I'm I'm very glad that we at least have that part of the equation done, um, that we do have a GM in. Um, and, and I have to say that I'm, you know, at least satisfied with the hire. You know, it, it's tough to be overly hyped about a GM. And we're really not going to know until a couple of years down the road whether he's really steering us in the right uh, direction or not. But I think that he is someone that has quite a bit of experience, um, you know, working in the front office actually is a former bear in a weird way, ended up getting cut mm-hmm. after being on a bears training, uh, in a bears training camp, I think back in like the late two thousands. But I think that he's at more than adequate for the position and has done uh, a lot of good work with the chiefs. And that's, uh, you know, help them get to the results that they have uh, today. Very interesting uh, kind of coaching history because he's survived a lot of, uh, executive staff changes. I mean, he was there with uh, the new Brett Veach, the new GM, as well as uh, man, who was the GM right before Brett Veach? He, the guy Andy Reid bought. He he was the GM. For yeah, the he was like after. him. Oh man, Jim um, something. Jim, what, I want to say it starts with a B. John Dorsey, that's what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, John like, why do we even try this podcast anymore if we can't even say John Dorsey? So dumb. Uh, but anyways, yeah, he coached on him. And funny enough, he was originally hired. He also worked with Chris Ballard, by the way. But he was originally hired by none other than Phil Emery when he was the director. That's beautiful. Yeah, when he was the director of player personnel at the Chiefs before we hired him to be the GM. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting how everything kind of came full circle there. Um, the only thing I was wondering is I, I don't know how uh, Poles was able to fit his bags in uh, 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 George McCaskey's 2006 Toyota Corolla uh, on the way back to Hallis Hall. But... <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah. Is that really the <laughs> no, lip? I'm kidding. Wait, <laughs> isn't that such a isn't that such a McCaskey thing to do? Is isn't that it's, such It's at least believable, you know? You had me for a second, so I I'm not shocked. <laughs> but anyways, I you know, I think that I was really interested in Morocco Brown. I think you were too, but he, uh, I have to say I think that Poles is a lot more experienced. And the one thing that I really appreciate is that he comes from a winning organization. And an organization that was willing to take bold moves to make things happen. Like, I think a lot of people forget how difficult it was for the Chiefs to move on from someone like Alex Smith. 
after especially an MVP season um, and also even drafting Patrick MVP Mahomes. caliber. MVP caliber, <laughs> excuse me. And yeah, MVP season. I don't even remember who won the MVP. I think it was Tom Brady that year. But he, he was having an MVP caliber season, really good season. And, you know, they made that bold decision. I've always really, what I've respected out of the Chiefs organization as well. I don't necessarily know if they were the best drafting. They certainly had, they did a really good job with getting high-end players. I mean, you're looking at like Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, even Kareem Hunt back then. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course, like these star, this star level talent. And then they also brought in guys like Orlando Brown through trade. And there's been an organization, and I, I find this so many times, is Typically, when organizations find themselves in trouble is when they try to like be too focused on like building through the draft or um, like it's like they try to stick to that old way of building a football team. Whereas like yeah. the modern NFL is very fluid. You should really just be doing whatever you can to make your team better so long that it coincides with your team's current state. I mean, we can even look at the Rams. I thought that the Rams window was closing like two years ago and all of a sudden they're able to continue to trade for high level talent. Obviously I don't want the bears to do that because I think that it kind of leads to a team that's a little bit thin, but Hey, it's been working for the Rams and they have a quarterback because of it. And I just, I think I like someone that comes from an organization that's not so focused on one way or another, but just exploring the best ways to make a team good. Yeah. And I think one thing that's promising is just kind of the situation that Ryan pulls um, found himself in as far as kind of navigating the waters of getting rid, getting rid of some veteran contracts and also managing those veteran contracts around uh, along with, um, you know, kind of rising stars or emerging players within the league. Like there's definitely some transitionary periods there to where the Chiefs got to where they are now. They, you know, had to get rid of someone like Alex Smith. There's even some other older names like, you know, defensive players like Tom Baha Lee that they've had to move past. Um, things like that, they have been able to, you know, reload in a sense. And I think that's a situation the Bears are going to find themselves in, at least on the defensive side of the ball. As some of these older and bigger contracts fall off, it's going to be, what do we do with that new cap? You know, how do we utilize that that space? And I think that um, he's going to be someone that's going to be able to help tread those waters uh, you know, better than someone like Ryan Pace would have. Yeah. And one thing that I, I have to say that I also really appreciate is it's been reported by some Bears beat reporters that a part of the deal was that he had autonomy over the coaching search um, because he was a hot candidate, man. He was a really hot candidate. He uh, interviewed for GM jobs in the past. He interviewed for the Giants job. He was a finalist there. Finalist for the Vikings job. End up choosing the Bears. Now, the, the Vikings actually requested a second interview from him before the Bears did. But he chose to choose the Bears. He chose to take the Bears second interview first. And he didn't want to commit to the Vikings before the Bears. And there's been a lot of speculation about it, but reports have came out. And I've also heard this from some other people that it's because of the quarterback situation. A lot of people are scared off by Kirk Cousins' $45 million cap hit next year and what that could possibly do to a team, um, especially for a GM. You know, I think that a lot of people, it was weird. I feel like at the beginning of the offseason, they wanted to make it out as the Bears were a team that wasn't uh, a very attractive option. And I think I pushed back on it and most of the NFL world did as well, specifically guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, where a lot of 
people in the league have positive outlooks on a lot of the young players on the Bears roster, including Justin Fields. And I think that was a huge pull. And I think that's a big reason why Ryan Poles ended up becoming our GM is just making that decision as to who he wants to be for quarterback. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of lists had the Bears maybe a little bit more towards the bottom. And I think that, you know, really the only detractor for this Bears team is just their current, um, you know, draft you know, draft picks heading into this current mm-hmm. year, which is something that I think as a new GM, you can at least take maybe even takes a little bit of pressure off you right from the start that you don't have to nail um, this, this big first round draft pick or something like that. You know, like you said, the pieces are in place. The quarterback um, has already been selected. So now he gets to, in which I think the chiefs, you know, in his past um, arguably did, you know, some of the best work in the league and is just building weapons. So he can focus on getting those players that he needs to be surrounding Justin Fields with and getting that coach that's going to be able to bring him to the top. Um, So yeah, you kind of got to like the way that the bears are trending in that direction. And, you know, I I think ultimately it probably was at least a top three um, vacancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Now, I guess the question bars, who's going to be our next head coach. And I think we have a, a, a better outlook as to what the structure is going to be picking the coach so far. I don't think this is a Ryan Pace situation where the McCaskies um, or the, you know, the, the consulting crew is going to try to uh, push the GM in a certain way. I think they'll make their opinions known about the interviews that they have done so far, but I mean, even the Bears uh, PR tweeted out that Ryan Poles conducted the interview with Jim Caldwell. Now I'm sure George McCaskey and uh, Bill Polian were a part of this and some of the others of the search crew. But I have to say, I think that it's going to be large. Well, it's going to end up being the decision of Ryan Poles. And I think that we should be extremely happy about that. I was a bit afraid that we might hire a head coach before the GM. Um, but this uh, this hiring gives me a lot of faith. So I, I guess what's also worth mentioning is that, uh, you know, Polls interviewed not only Jim Caldwell today, but he is Ibraflus and Quinn tomorrow. Those are all three candidates of the Bears uh, that they asked for a second interview. I wonder if he adds to that list. Yeah, I think there's a chance that he will. I think that, um, of course, the people getting second interviews are going to be, you know, people that obviously have a shot at getting the job. But I think just because he talked to Jim Caldwell today didn't mean anything. And obviously, Jim Caldwell left the building. So there wasn't a super big impression made that they couldn't let him walk out the doors. Um, and, and also I think Eberflus and a lot of reports have kind of leaned this way. The Eberflus is still very much in the mix. And I think Dan Quinn um, shouldn't be counted out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he brings in a couple um, or even brings some of these people back that haven't been requested back for a second interview. Cause they've already interviewed a good number um, of people um, and especially most of the names, but notably, you know, not a couple other ones. Um, but I don't think that if people are thinking it's going to be Jim Harbaugh or something, I think that's no. pretty much off the list at, that, at this point. Um, I don't think there's anything ridiculous like that. Sean Payton, which also kind of broke news today mm-hmm. that he's stepping away from uh, the Saints after you know 16 years or so there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also not going to be an option either. Yeah. So nothing, nothing bombastic like that. As much as I would love Sean Payton, I think that it seems like he's certainly not going to be coaching this year. Who knows? Maybe we'll take like an offensive coordinator position. I don't really see that. Um, I doubt it. But I, I think that he is going to, you know, take some time in media, take some time away. He just got married this past year. 
uh, just take some time for himself. Had a 16 year run there. Um, I'm not saying reload the bank account, you know, (laughs) I think that he will certainly be a coach again. I mean, he's only 58, which is uh, nine years younger than Jim Caldwell, who we just interviewed. (laughs) Um, That being said, I think that uh, I I have a feeling that someone like Sean Payne is a little more uh, content with the career that he had uh, and may not be necessarily pushed to. Uh, come back as much as someone like Jim Caldwell, who very much so both times he was fired. I felt like he, he kind of felt like it, it, it was not the right decision. Um, both times, yeah. I, I, you know, he didn't really accomplish what he wanted to, but still had success in both of those locations. Um, but two other things I wanted to point out real quick. Um, apparently Eberflus and Ryan Poles, uh, it can I think Albert Breer said this, they had been developing a relationship for quite a while, considering that Ryan Poles, uh, knows Chris Ballard really well. And Chris Ballard has spoken really highly of Eberflus. Um, so I think there's that natural connection there. Also, Eberflus shares the same agent as uh, Poles, which kind of does matter, honestly, um, when, it, when it comes down to it. Um, but another key person that I want to mention is Brian Flores, because Brian Flores actually played college football with Ryan Poles at Boston College, which, a little quiz for you, who was, a, who was the quarterback of those teams? What, what year would that have been? This would have been, back, I mean, well, they're 36, so the quarterback would be about 36, 37 right now. Oh, Matt Ryan? Yeah, Matt Ryan, exactly. There you go. Yeah, so also with Matt Ryan. So you wonder if uh, Flores comes back in with that interview. I know there's been a little more steam building that he could potentially be on his way to um, the Giants. I'm not sure, but the the real interesting name here, and I think a name that's developed this coaching cycle has been Dan Quinn. I mean, uh, from everything that's coming out is like, he is like the top guy. He's a finalist for Denver. He's a finalist for New York. He was a finalist for the Vikings. I mean, he is a finalist everywhere and people apparently love it. And I don't know, again, like I, that hire would make me a little more reserved. I would really have to see how the offensive side of the ball come, comes to life. Yeah, and I think, you know, as uh, the listeners are going to hear later on in the podcast as we talk about um, some of these head coaching candidates in more detail, I I think that he would be very capable of building a staff. Um, But, yeah, I would be – one of my first questions would be, well, who's the offensive coordinator going to be? And, you know, if I'm in that search committee, I'd love to do a little bit of homework um, if they don't already have a good background on it because I think that – really does make a tremendous difference, especially mm-hmm. um, I would expect something good from Dan Quinn. Um, we very well connected um, like you, like you will be saying in the podcast later, you know, very well respected around the league. A lot of people want to work for him. Um, but just tell me, tell me who it would be, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to say I would be pretty shocked if it's Jim Caldwell at this point, because knowing that, polls has the decision to make i don't foresee 36 year old ryan polls choosing 67 year old jim caldwell as coach i think he might be i don't know if that's who he wants to tie his legacy to if i'm being honest are you calling him an ageist (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) yes no but I, i i more so foresee i think that either of the two guys tomorrow could get hired and that's why this podcast is going to be out on Tuesday night because we are I it just needs to get up immediately before any more breaking news happens and I'm sure we'll add another segment once uh, the, the the head coach is actually announced but um 
I, I could see either of these other two guys, but I just I, I don't really see Jim Caldwell anymore. I think that was more of Bill Polian's guy because he was the one that hired him last. And when he at least hired him when yeah. he was with the Saint. Or he was Bill Polian's last hire, I should say. Yeah, I mean ultimately the these next interviews are really gonna be everything. I, I think that um for the most part, all these people have got first interviews and haven't really gotten called back for a second time. Or basically, it's basically a little bit of background information at this point for Ryan Poles to have if he so chooses to move um, in, in, in any forward progress with any of those other candidates. So I think that, you know, they built up a good backlog of information, but it's a little bit of a reset now that Poles is here and he really wants that, um, you know, basically wants that final decision. So mm-hmm. it, things do have to shift a little bit. You know, they were they were interviewing, but now it's actually serious. Yeah. And. Another point I want to make, I, I mentioned it to you earlier. There's been a little bit of steam that the Bears could potentially add Mike Kafka, the Chiefs passing game coordinator, as the offensive coordinator if we hire a defensive head coach or Pep Hamilton. Um, either of those two guys, very well-respected names, quarterback background. Um, those two guys, you know, if we're hiring a defensive head coach, I think those guys would do a fantastic job uh, with Justin Fields. Pep Hamilton has been a QB coach Forever. with this team in the past, right? <laughs> has he? With the Bears. I believe oh, so. Oh, I think you're right, actually. Let's let's go to the little Google shirt search right now. Yeah, he was. You're right. Think, From 2007 yeah. to 2009. There you go. Yeah. So maybe maybe not Hamilton, maybe maybe it's uh maybe it's more so Mike Kafka, who's actually from Chicago, played at Northwestern, coached at Northwestern. Um but I guess we'll see. I think either of these, I think there's plenty of quality young offensive minds that are just maybe not ready to be head football coaches yet. Which, you know, is fine. I don't have any problem with that. I'd be honestly be optimal. Yeah. Um, if, if possible. Yeah. And I, I think that ultimately I will expect there to be one to two other finalists. Maybe unless someone really wows tomorrow, I don't think that, Ryan Poles is just going to stop his head coaching search there. Um, I think we also escaped the Jim Caldwell experience because the interview concluded without an offer. Maybe we go back to him, but I think that if we if no one else impresses tomorrow, we're going to add some more interviews to the slate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the eyes will be on Twitter once again as they kind of were all day today. Um, and, and we'll see. Uh, things have really picked up a good buzz. There's been um, really some things leading up to it that, you know, at least this morning may seem pretty obvious that um, Ryan Poles was going to be the guy. And uh, I'm curious to see if he'll kind of play out the same way for whoever the head coach ends up being. So before we pass it over to our previous selves and the, the originally recorded podcast, why don't you give me your prediction for who the next Chicago Bears head coach is? Yeah, I think just because of a little bit of the prior relationship that we sp- spoke on, um, I would just give the slight edge to Eberflus mm-hmm. over Dan Quinn. But that's it's honestly it seems like a close call at this point. Um, and, and I just don't know who else he might bring in as those other finalists at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's certainly, I mean, I think there's still an outside shot that there's someone that we're maybe not expecting yeah. um, that could end up being there. Yeah, I think it's Eberflus, even though I think I'd probably want an outside guy. Also, an important note today, Leslie Frazier got his second interview request from the Giants, and uh, uh, Brian Dable left today without a contract. 
from the Giants. So another thing to keep track on. It sounds crazy, but is there maybe a chance Dable doesn't get a head coaching job this cycle? There's a shot. Um, I don't think he's guaranteed a spot here, and I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed a spot in the Giants, even though it seemed like that was logically what was going to happen, which is a little shocking that it hasn't played out that way. Um, and other teams around the league are being diligent and things have changed a little bit in the past 24 hours, but man, yeah, that's a little bit of a shock. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to pass it back over to our previous selves and you can kind of listen to our initial thoughts on GM candidates. And, you know, maybe we can show you that we're not necessarily biased because the bears just hired this guys, but uh, anything else before we uh, send it off? No, none at all. Uh, thanks for the continued support and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Enjoy, guys. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Uh, I think we're all pretty excited this week, given that the Packers absolutely uh, blew a, you know, a gift, a game that should have been gifted to them by the 49ers. Can't even say uh, big and, lead because they never and, had and, one. And, I know they did it. And Robbie gold just comes in there and does what he does best and, and, and kicked a, what was it? A 45, 47 yarder. Yeah. And uh, nails it. I'm just happy he can play in meaningful games, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. as much as I'm like, man, I wish he was still a bear. Cause it would just be great for someone like him to, to play out his whole career as a Chicago bear. But at the same time, you know, good that he's doing his thing, a very iconic moment, something a lot of bears fans rallied around for sure. And, you know, I don't blame him. And it's always exciting to see Aaron Rodgers kind of lose in that fashion. <laughs> I mean, yep. it wasn't directly his fault, but the things that he didn't do throughout the game ultimately cost them. Well, I mean, the Packers want to be like, oh, my God, our special teams, our special teams, our special teams scored 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> scored yeah. 10 points. Exactly. You, you put yourself in that position and like, I don't want to you know, trash on Rogers too much. Cause he's still a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's kind of going to be hilarious if he leaves, but the bears scored way more than, than 10 points on the 49ers. You know, it, it just, it, it's so that, that amount of points is just unacceptable. You can put it on the defense. You can put it on your special teams at the end of the day, the offense needs to score more than 10 points. And honestly, this gets back to something that I've seen out of Matt LaFleur as his, critical flaw which is once he gets into the playoffs he's not a good coach he's a really bad play caller in the playoffs there's no debating that at this point i mean um breaking records for the wrong reason i believe what was first team to have three straight 13 win seasons and not make it to the super bowl i think that that that's two playoff wins i think like that's that's ridiculous. I think so. I mean, I know that he made it to the championship game last year, but the Packers are always either, you know, getting home field advantage or are close to it. And it's, it's unbelievable how little they can cash in um, with it, which, you know, at least it helps, it helps, uh, you know, make the wound feel better for the Bears season when you get to watch the Packers get bounced in the playoffs. Um, it at least makes that a little bit better. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the manner that they did. I mean, this was really the Packers year. You know, they everything they don't everything was of, teed up for them. You know, they they don't have a lot of upside, and that's why I'm sure we'll talk about it right now. Aaron Rodgers, I think he is actually going to leave. Um, like last year, I think I said I thought it was like maybe a thirty percent likelihood. I still didn't really believe it, but after hearing that last minute press conference, 
um, and uh, evaluating really deeply the Packers cap space. I mean, they're they're kind of screwed. They have a lot of guys that they need to resign. Uh, some good guys that emerged on their defense. I mean, they have listen, listen to this. They're fifty million under the cap right or over the cap right now, meaning they need to clear fifty million. Period. That's not including that they have to sign Devontae Adams. They have to sign who's that really good linebacker that's been playing really well for them? Campbell. Yeah, I can't remember his first name. Uh, they have to resign him. They uh, have to sign Robert Tanyan. Uh, they have to sign pretty uh, uh, Alan Lazard, another guy that that Rogers really likes. Uh, if they want to keep Randall Cobb, and then there's just more and more players. The list goes on and on. And it's just it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, sure, you might be able to squeeze out a couple of those players for another year if you really sell out. But I just think that Rogers is going to look at the season and say this was a much better team that than what we could have had than what we're going to have next year, and it still was not enough. And that's why Packers fans are so quick to you know, claim victory with Matt LaFleur and saying how great of a coach he is. I, I think that we really need to see him without Rodgers, if I'm being honest. Like, yes, he's done a much better job than Mike McCarthy, obviously. And I'm not saying Matt LaFleur is a bad coach. But at the end of the day, he's had some really, really good teams. Specifically this year, that defense the Packers had – was nothing, nothing to uh, to overlook. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a pretty good defense, and at the end of the day, it, the job still wasn't done. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like, uh, in a weird way, like Lovey Smith, where it was just like, yeah, he's they were winning a lot, but the job just never got done, and that's how I think Rodgers is going to view it. Yeah, I I I think Rodgers. I, I I if I'm making a prediction now, I, I think he's done. In Green Bay. And I think fa- the weird thing, if you look at the Packers Twitter, they I think they agree with that too. And I think they're kind of coming to grips with it. There there was certainly some fans I saw, and of course, you know, these days with burners and all that. But, you know, the ones that are posted this didn't seem like burner accounts. You, you know, a few of them are. Um, but there were certainly, you know, quite a few fans that were, you know, wouldn't be completely upset, even though they know that it's going to mean the team takes a pretty big step back. You know, I, I think it's almost equally as frustrating to be a bottom dweller team as a, as a team that, you know, just like Andy Reid was with the Eagles, just a team that could never really quite push through and, and break that summit. You know, they could never, you know, hoist that Vince Lombardi trophy up. And when you're not doing that, you know, it's almost kind of like, what's the point? It seems like a shallow thing to say. And, you know, of course, you'd rather have your team be winning. But when you're not ultimately, you know, accomplishing that that ultimate goal, what does it all boil down to? And, yeah, you certainly hit a point with the the cap figures. I don't even, you know, some of their other bigger players, I don't really quite know where they stand. I don't know where someone like David Bakhtiari stands, If which is kind of an interesting situation in itself. Like, I don't I don't think this is his year coming up as far as contract year goes. But if they are locked into him on a long-term deal, he's someone that has hardly played kind of similar to Tariq Cohen. You know, they've hardly seen him over mm-hmm. the past two years. Um, there's just a lot of things kind of sliding the wrong way, not quite working out in Green Bay's direction. And yeah, you kind of have a coach where you're maybe starting to feel like he just can't quite get it done. And, you know, I, we were talking a little bit before this, Austin, about, you know, how good could the Packers be with someone like Jordan Love, um, who, of course, they famously took or infamously would probably be the better word for it, took two years back in the NFL draft and ultimately kind of pissed off Rodgers and I think kind of built up to this point where it is now. But, you know, I think maybe, you know, Matt LaFleur is a good enough coach where he could drag Jordan Love into the playoffs on an odd year. Um, you know, they're not going to strike out all the time. But 
what more than that, you know? It, it, well, I like Jordan Love is just so bad. Like I know that there's like a lot of like people on Packers Twitter that are like, oh, if uh, if uh, if they if Kyle Shanahan can take Jimmy Garoppolo to the playoffs, why not Jordan Love? Because Jordan Love doesn't even make the easy passes, and that's my biggest issue with him. Like looking back at him, I just remember how many times Mitch Trubisky used to miss the layups. You know. Miss the easy shots, the guys wide open, just overthrowing it, putting it in the wrong place, not making the right decision. And that's what you see with Jordan Love, except more. Uh, I don't, I like, I looking at Jordan Love, I don't know what they've been working on because he looks like the same player he was in college, except playing on a higher level that he can't compete at. I, I am not, I mean, he played two of the worst defenses in the NFL against Kansas City and the Lions. Couldn't get the job done in either one of them. Uh, this is his second year. Uh, he just looks awful. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm the Packers and Rodgers leaves, I'm drafting a quarterback this year. Um, I know that they're going to stick with Jordan Love just because they're going to try to validate the draft pick, but he looks atrocious, like not, seriously that bad. Not a good class for it, though. <laughs> I know we, that, we got that's some the, we got yeah. some risers as always I mean the media is always going to hype up a few quarterbacks to at least get into the first round but um I don't know why I'm even blanking on his name Kenny Pickett there we go um from yeah. Pitt um <laughs> not that good Sam in my opinion Sam Howell's the best quarterback and I know he's like the, he's just the, the UNC kid right yeah yeah and he's just the one that's like he's not even that good, but you can see him maybe developing into like a Drew Brees like quarterback or maybe a Baker Mayfield at max. Um, Oh man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, it's just, it really isn't a good quarterback draft class. I mean, like you're intrigued by like the athleticism of someone like Malik Willis, but like Kenny Pickett just doesn't look great. Uh, the kid, Matt Corral, he doesn't really attempt any difficult throws. Everything that he pretty much uh, does from Lane Kiffin's offense, he, he pretty much just does intermediate uh, over-the-middle passes. Like That is all he does. He doesn't really do any sideline passes, which is obviously a huge concern because those are a huge point of emphasis in the NFL. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I would just, with that week of a class, I'd be surprised if they took a quarterback, but at the same time, you know, I don't know how much faith they can have in Jordan Love. Like you said, what we've seen certainly hasn't been the best. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a rough, rough uh, draft class for them to go ahead and pull that trigger if they if they so choose to do so. But I was kind of interested, and in, we were talking a little bit about okay, where does Rodgers go? And I think the the Denver Broncos make a little more sense if they get uh, a Nathaniel Hackett. Um, that makes definitely more sense there and Rodgers is a huge fan of Nathaniel Hackett um but like really looking at one other team that I pointed to is maybe like the Browns would be willing to try to make a swing at it um and so maybe they're able to get a quarterback in return maybe they're able to get Baker Mayfield which I actually don't think would be terrible for the Packers I mean I feel like Baker is the type of quarterback where yeah he's he's not a good quarterback in my opinion he's probably like a guy that you can be serviceable with though like maybe a Kirk Cousins-esque quarterback um he's, he's a bit me, more serviceable me. than Trubisky who which yeah. you know I think you you brought up his name um and that's gonna seem like a huge slight to someone like Baker Mayfield but you kind of have to understand what I'm saying at least, at least as an upgrade over Trubisky but I think what even, is there to like about Baker Mayfield th- that's why I have to say those people exactly um I think even Trubisky might He's Case Keenum he, Baker Mayfield's case don't I, I 
I don't even want to get into the Case Keenum or the, the the Case Keenum truthers. No, the Baker Mayfield no. truthers. He's literally he's literally exactly like Case Keenum. He can't make the difficult throws, but if it's over the middle slant routes, he's able to make them. Yeah, and I I just want to go off on a little tangent and say I think Mitch Trubisky might even at least have the chance to compete for a starting job in camp. Somewhere. I think he will. I, I think that he's someone that's picking up a little bit of traction and. You know, just kind of based on what else is out there. Of course, there's the big flashy names like Rogers if they do choose to leave, or Russell Wilson, whose name has been thrown around a little bit. But um, yeah, we'll see. I think Trubisky could certainly be in a camp competing for uh, QB one somewhere. If uh, Dable goes to the New York Giants, that, I think Trubisky signs there. Yeah, I think that seems like a pretty logical move at this point. So I agree. Because <laughs> um, you, when you look at Trubisky, yeah, he wasn't. He's never going to be a good quarterback, like a good, or I should say, great quarterback. But when you look at the way that like Sean McVay used Jared Goff and like how the Bears used him towards the end of the twenty nineteen or sorry twenty twenty season, he was playing, you know, well given his constraints. Good enough, you know, and I and that's better than anything Daniel Jones has done so far. Yeah. I don't I don't know if there's any Daniel Jones truthers on this podcast, but. It. <laughs> um, I yeah I just I couldn't imagine that and it would make a lot of sense because you're right this is not a good quarterback class really I think that every quarterback in this class is a backup at best truthfully uh, Sam Howell might have that opportunity to be a Drew Brees like guy it'd be kind of interesting to see him actually go to the Saints because um, that's kind of would be a perfect I feel like that'd be a perfect fit if Sean Payton is actually with the Saints next year which I'm sure will people want us to talk about um, but yeah, I, I I really think that Trubisky, if you give him the right stuff, he can be a serviceable guy for a year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, we'll see how everything else shakes out quarterback wise because it's going to be real interesting to see, you know, which teams are kind of tired of developing a quarterback and try to just make it happen through trade. There's not too many prospects looking up. And, yeah, you kind of have those big contenders like the Saints where it's like, ah, you know, what, what do they do? Like in a, in a perfect world, they'd go out there and get Rodgers, but for a team like the Saints, they have, contracts <laughs> that mm. are going to make that you know nearly impossible to happen and i think that's the same kind of case for the steelers in a way and i don't really know how the Colts situation is but i know a lot of Colts fans would love to see that happen <laughs> certainly certainly all right well let's go ahead and move on we actually have breaking news here man breaking bears news on the podcast well, there we go the bears are interested in speaking again with at least three gm candidates this is from ian Rappaport and mike garofolo Ryan Poles of the Chiefs, which we knew about. Monty Asenfort of the Titans, which we also heard about. Or actually, no, we didn't hear about, but we knew that they kind of liked him. Elliot Wolf of the Patriots, who I spoke pretty highly about on the last podcast. Uh, and then finally, Morocco Brown could return as well, Ian Rappaport says. So it looks like out of these four candidates is where our GM is going to be picked. I know Ryan Poles is a really hot name. He was a finalist for that Giants job, and he also is a finalist for the Vikings job, and now he's a finalist for our job as well. Um, interesting that it's from the Chiefs because I got to be honest, like I know the Chiefs have Mahomes, but I I, I have to say I don't, I've never thought of the Chiefs as like an absurdly depthy roster you know just a, the the skill positions you know I, yeah. I think that they've built up um you know running back offensive pieces have been great running back maybe is a little bit lacking you know wide receiver wise they have <laughs> kind of like six guys that can seemingly do the same thing which is really <laughs> annoying <laughs> but um you know they certainly build up that wide receiver tight end position extremely well um they hit a really good stroke of luck with patrick mahomes 
And yeah, the defensive side is a little bit kind of cobbled together, though. It's a couple of big name players that they do have an all pro and Chris Jones, who's really good up front. But, you know, after that, you know, other other than that and Tyron Matthew, and I think they have a couple of decent depth pieces and someone like Melvin Ingram, who's a quality player. But there's some good players there and there's some there's some meh. <laughs> Frank Clark yeah. is all right, too. Yeah. Well, I honestly, I, I wish that I knew more about these guys, but it's really hard to judge them unless you're in an interview with them. Um, just knowing that Ryan Poles has gotten a lot of good credit, and I've been a fan of Morocco Brown. I've heard really good things about him and Elliot Wolf as well. Uh, I it, Again, the, these GM hires are so difficult to actually project, but I'm happy that we're seeing it heat up. Actually, it was reported earlier this week or actually, I think it was earlier today, matter of fact, um, by Aaron Wilson, that the Bears GM will likely be decided by Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Um, so that that's kind of giving us a little bit of a timeline to look at. Uh, I'm excited for that because I think we might... Uh, I, 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 we might be able to actually get a better list of head coaches if yeah. we get a good GM. I, I think um, once we have the GM, give it a week, week and a half. I, I think that ultimately the GM is kind of have to be the final probably check mark on this whole thing. I don't know if that's exactly yeah. how the Bears are looking at it right now, but I feel like that's how it might ultimately turn out to be. Um, or at least mm-hmm. I kind of hope so. I, I really do hope that's a head coach and GM pairing that's, you know, at least fairly comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have to hope. I really hope that the Bears don't make the same mistake they did when they brought in, uh, who was when they brought in Fox it's, and Pace. Yeah, just a rough combo. You just you just know that's not gonna that's not gonna mesh out well. You know. Yeah, and I think with the GM, I'll be ultimately pretty neutral. But the head coach, I'll have more of an opinion on. Yeah. Um, by the way, can we just take a minute to talk about how terrible Patrick Mahomes' uh, girlfriend and brother are? <laughs> Man, I, it, it makes him very – I respect Patrick Mahomes with all the skill that he's got. I mean, what he did for driving down the field there to set up that game-time field goal in 13 seconds is is miraculous, and he does some crazy things week in, week out on the football field. I, I can't stand him for his family, though, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. specifically just, yeah, his wife and his, his brother um, – you know, I lost a lot of respect for for them with the whole Sean Taylor incident. Mm-hmm. I know there was some things going on with the Washington football team there that were kind of weird anyway. Why they're even able to be down there in that roped off area is a question for that franchise. But um, and then everything else. Yeah, you just see them all over social media. Uh, the tweet that you sent me today was <laughs> just made me shake my Hilarious. head. But <laughs> she was uh, I don't even know Patrick Mahomes is. Um... Wife's wife or girlfriend's name it's what is actually but his wife it's like his high his, school sweetheart actually anyways <laughs> she was like spraying champagne on a bunch of fans and um i don't i just kind of rubbed me the wrong way i don't know <laughs> i think i think it's just something that's like on top of everything else like the sean taylor thing we're like oh my god could this get anywhere it's like then like dancing on the memorial of a horrific of a player that was horrifically murdered uh, yeah, I don't think it can get much worse than that. But like hearing all that and like even the videos sometimes that they include him and in, he looks annoyed by them as well. And I just feel bad for Mahomes because he's this great quarterback, had a little bit of a down year for him at least. And he's had to answer a bunch of questions about his family. Um, it's just unfortunate there. Yeah. <laughs> and also there was the whole um, 
I don't know how many people really kind of caught this because it was kind of like big for a couple hours on like one day, but it was the whole Kansas City bar basically telling Jackson Mahomes, oh, which yeah. is his little brother, like stop being so arrogant and like and demanding acting like table. this. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, demanding a table and all that, and not saying why there's not seating there. It's like, well, you're just like anyone else, man. Like you got to yeah. wait for that to open up. But seriously, seriously. All right, man. Well, I think we need to talk about some of these coaching candidates again, unfortunately, uh, which honestly, when we hire a coach, (laughs) yeah, when when we hire a coach, I'm just going to be relieved. Yeah, I'm just going to be completely relieved. No matter who it is, I just don't want to think about it anymore. Um, But I have to say that I when we're getting these G these coach candidates, not a huge fan. Like, I, I wish that we saw a little more attention to the younger offensive minds. I feel like the bears might be making the same mistake that they did with John Fox, which is going in the complete opposite direction of your franchise. So I might as well, before we get into it, read off kind of the candidates. So supposedly the finalists for now, like as of now is Jim Caldwell, which is funny. Cause I actually brought up his name like six weeks ago when we were talking about this. Yeah. And I think we had a similar reaction. Uh, Dan Quinn, and Matt Eberflus. The the funny thing that also another person brought up is that if Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles are hired, it'll be Matt and, Matt and Ryan again for our head coach GM <laughs> uh, position. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, okay, let's, let's start off with Jim Caldwell, man. And I know I'll let you start this one off because I, I need to think a little bit about it. Okay. You know, Jim Caldwell... Big ups. I mean, that man took Detroit to the playoffs. Which it, you when you put multiple that, times when you put that into perspective, nuts. I mean, that as a team that was trash before he got there and has been trash ever since he left. Um, but at the same time, it's just what is what does Jim Caldwell bring in twenty twenty two to the NFL mm-hmm. football? You know. He's been a couple of years removed and, you know, it's kind of tough to realize because, you know, us committed football fans, which I assume a good amount of our listeners are, it's you kind of start to blend in things over time. But, you know, from 2015 to 2022, the NFL has changed rapidly. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't know if Jim Caldwell brings that same modern perspective. I know that he's well connected. I One thing I could say about Jim Caldwell, maybe the most confidence that he could build the best staff. You know, yeah. It, well, the other the other thing with him is that the players love him. Like a lot of the Lions players uh, from twenty when was he fired? Now twenty seventeen after the twenty seventeen season, he was fired from the Lions. A lot of Lions players were furious about that. Yeah, it, and it, it speaks. I mean, it speaks. And he's a really quality coach, but it's his focus is where he really has that ultimate um, attention to detail is on the wrong side of the football, you know, and he's not, he's never been a huge like quarterback guy, you know, he worked with Matthew Stafford and and all that, but none of that was really directly his success. At least I wouldn't attribute it to that that way. He, he's an offensive guy, but he's just not a modern, like he's a much more, I don't want to say he's old school, but he's kind of more, He's not old school because old school means like running the ball essentially, but he isn't a huge like matchups guy or scheme guy. He has put together some, you know, decent offenses. That's the thing though, is like, you have to wonder, okay, so the two quarterbacks that he coached Peyton Manning and Matthew Stafford. Okay. That's two 
pretty good quarterbacks. You know, and I'm not saying Justin Fields isn't a good quarterback. He still is, but you want a guy that's at least going to be able to, you have at least a little bit of confidence that he can develop uh, a quarterback. Both, both of them years in their career too, at that point. Yeah, exactly. And here's, here's my biggest point. This is where I think if we do hire Jim Caldwell, this is where my most confidence will be. I am very confident that Jim Caldwell will be able to put together a top, you know, 23 offense every <laughs> single year. Will that offense ever reach top 10? Probably not. But it will. I do not think Jim Caldwell's offenses will be nearly as atrocious as Matt Nagy's because he. that's kind of the way he likes to run his offenses. He likes it simple. He likes utilizing his players well. He's not a big, like, scheme a guy open or anything like that. But he 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 has done a he did do a decent job with those Lions teams. He did a decent job with those Colts teams. I would be shocked if we he came here and the offense was absolutely atrocious. I think that the offense would at least be serviceable. What Jim Caldwell won't bring you is a serious uh, threat to going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's a good point. And you know, my bad for for bringing up uh, which side he has emphasis on the football, but I think that. Ultimately, we just we don't have the luxury too of knowing that in the future that the defense is going to be perfectly up to par. You know, yeah, th- this might and the Lions' defenses under him were atrocious, and this might be an offense that needs to be top ten in the future. You know, we we don't yeah. know once all these veterans leave on defense, which is going to inevitably happen, kind of within starting this year, but it's going to kind of gradually happen over the next three four years, I imagine. Um, what's it going to pan out? What's it going to look like? We, we have a lot of faith in some of the mm-hmm. younger pieces right now, but there's a lot of things that can happen in between there. Um, and you can really overanalyze it, but it, it's mm-hmm. just, we should be shooting higher, you know, with where yeah. there's, there's just so much room for improvement on the offensive side of the ball that, you know, taking this offense into like a 17th or 16th ranked offense would look considerably different for this football team. It'd be a huge step up from mm-hmm. where they are. But getting them to be a top 10, now we're looking at a team that can can seriously push for it. You know, I mean, even with a weak defense, more often than not, you know, if you have a really strong offense, you're at least going to be playing for the playoffs. And I think that kind of the point that you're making, Austin, is that Jim Caldwell could probably almost certainly get us to that point uh, most years of at least being on the brink of the playoffs. But can we Mm -hmm. get in there consistently and can we actually make a run for it? Or are you kind of just like in a Packers situation where it just doesn't seem like they're going to shake out and obviously not being as strong as the Packers, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. So that is the major concern there with Caldwell. I don't know if, if he was hired, I would at least feel somewhat, um, somewhat confident in like the, that he would be able to develop Justin Fields to an extent. I just think that he's all, we also need to remember he's 67. So he would instantly become like one of the oldest coaches in the NFL. Um, so he's probably not going to be coaching for a very long time. Definitely a well-respected name could definitely build a good staff. Um, don't have a lot of concern with that, but I, I just, I have to say like the upside there seems pretty limited. And one last thing too, neither yeah. of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, Matthew Stafford, Peyton Manning, have any kind of mobility at all. <laughs> so as much yep. as I know that Justin Fields likes to pass out of the pocket at times, he said it himself, um, you know, really underutilizing or run the chance of underutilizing what he can bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the next guy, Matt Eberflus. Now, I think I would be a little more excited about Eberflus than you would probably race. Um, I, I watched a bit of his like mic'd up series, and I, I was just trying to get a get a little bit of a sense of how he is as an individual, and and researched a lot of things that people had to say on him. Um, really glowing reviews. He seems like a really great leader. He seems like he holds guys accountable. Um, there's no denying what he did for that indie defense. I mean, I remember when we played Indianapolis last year and we played that Colts defense, I was like, who are a, who are these guys that are on this defense? Cause they don't really have that many great players on the defense. And it was an amazing defense, just a really, really good defense. Um, and a little bit of, it was Nick Foles, of course, being the quarterback, but you know, they, he did a great job there in Indy. Now, obviously there's that step up of him being a head coach. He's a little bit younger than Caldwell. Obviously he's 51, um, but the players love him. And, uh, I was listening to some of the Colts beat reporters too, that are kind of, uh, that are within the Colts organization on their own Colts media side and the just glowing reviews about him as well. Um, Listen, I think that out of all these guys, Iberflus is probably the most intriguing name, but I would need to get a good understanding of the candidates he wants to bring in. Like who, who, uh, sorry, as the coordinators that he wants to bring in, like what's your offensive plan? Who is going to be developing Justin Fields? Cause that's the biggest question here. Yeah. And you know, my, one of my major concerns with someone that's doesn't have that offensive focus is just you know, do we bring in a great quarter and they just up and leave after another year? And just like that, it's another offensive coordinator that Justin Fields is working with. Um, obviously, that's not the disaster scenario because at least you had, you know, some real positive, positive time there and the offense was clicking and you'd certainly have faith in Justin Fields at that time. But, you know, it's just another thing you have to look out for. I, I think with Eberflus, hey, ultimately, yeah, you do have to like with what he's done with the Colts. I, I think even too, um, is it Darius Leonard? Is that their middle linebacker yep. they have there? Yep. I mean, he, if you want, <laughs> I have a lot of confidence in that for whatever reason that just, you know, him working well with that other great middle linebacker that they have there in Indianapolis that, you know, he could work very well with someone like Roquan Smith, which is very much, you know, I think moving forward into the future is going to be your most impactful player on defense. And I think a lot of bears fans have come to that realization as well. You know, Roquan's an absolute beast. So at least I have a lot of comfort knowing that he would work really well with them. And I think that he would do well with the bears defense. I think that he would right now find that it's a little bit of a embarrassment of riches, if you will. Um, we'll see if we're still saying that after this off season. Um, but I think you'd find that there's a lot of assets that he has on the defense, but yeah, ultimately you just have that one big question mark on the other side of the ball and it can be done. Like there are teams in the league that have strong offenses and have defensive head coaches and even for less successful teams, you look at the chargers, someone like Staley, that offense still produced and did well. Um, So it it can happen and it's a, a viable solution and some teams are starting to, you know, kind of lean back that way. Um, but we'll we'll see how it kind of shakes out. I think that certainly your inclination that he's maybe the favorite amongst these coordinators was strong. It seemed really strong last week when it seemed like Morocco Brown was the guy. I was like, okay, we're just gonna get a mm-hmm. Morocco Brown, Matt Everflus kind of situation, and it made made some sense to me there. Um, so I, I don't think you know, yeah, I wouldn't be excited as you would be. I, I definitely wouldn't be disappointed. Um, I'd probably be more excited than than Jim Caldwell to be honest. Um, you know, no mm-hmm. disrespect to him, um, but. Yeah. That's the way it is. 
I have to say, I watched a video of Jim Caldwell at a coach's conference um, breaking down what he wants out of his players. And what I have to say about Caldwell is he definitely seems like a great leader and he definitely knows the identity he wants the team to have, which I think is a major positive. Another little bit of breaking news, though, um, you know, this is from the Bears blog. So he's been off and on a, a lot during this in his history, but he has been a hundred percent spot on with the reports um, come so far thus far, um, like 100% spot on. So I've kind of gained a little bit of trust on him for us. And he said that he believes the Bears are zeroed in on Ryan Poles. He has an interview tomorrow uh, and they may not let him leave. Listen, if Ryan Poles is the guy, I'm happy. I'm fine with that. And a big reason why is Ryan Poles is a young guy, comes from an innovative uh, organization. And I have to say that even though maybe he doesn't get everything right with drafting, I'm pretty sure he's a player personnel guy. What I have to say that I think Ryan Poles will be really good at is A, being aggressive, because that Kansas City team made some aggressive moves. Um, they got a guy like Orlando Brown this past offseason, rebuilt a little bit of the line. They've gotten guys in the past through trade. Um, you know, they've, they've made some quality moves. And the other thing is, I don't think he'll let them hire a guy like Jim Caldwell. <laughs> Truthfully, I, I feel like if Ryan Poles is the guy, they're going to be looking at a, a, some younger, more innovative minds. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that even to something that you kind of alluded to and maybe didn't fully speak on is just knowing when your window is. I, I'm not 100% sure when Ryan Poles came into mm -hmm. the Chiefs organization. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs were a little bit of a contender. Of course, they had Alex Smith before Mahomes started getting going. But it was clear that they weren't, you know, a championship team at that point. And boom, right as kind of their little bit of a window opens and, and Mahomes starts going off, they start just bringing in the weapons and, and throwing on as much as they can. And that's something that's not really talked about much in the NFL. But, you know, as with any other sport, there's windows for success. Of course, mm -hmm. the Bears' window for success has been blocked mostly by Aaron Rodgers. Um, but now the opportunity is kind of coming up where possibly that changes a little bit or, you know, even if he stays with the Packers, there's still, you know, that chance that they regress with their whole kind of cap hell situation. Um, you know, you have that possibility and he would know that, okay, probably this next year, you know, the bears probably aren't gunning for the title. Um, but you know, a couple of years down the line, this is an opportunity for the bears team to load up potentially really start stacking up on these players and building around what they currently have um, so they can kind of smash that window of opportunity when it gets there. Um, and I would have faith that someone like Ryan Poles could could get that done. Like you said, the Chiefs franchise, you know, as much as <laughs> maybe they're starting to get annoying as far as just being the most successful team in the AFC and, and constantly being in the title game, um, it, it's a little bit of an indication they're doing some things right. And I know that we, we tried the Kansas City emulation with um, – with Matt Nagy, but th this would be attacking it from a little bit different of an angle for for sure. Absolutely, and and listen, the Chiefs were good before Patrick Mahomes too. I mean, people yeah. want to forget that first that last year Alex Smith was there. He was a legitimate MVP candidate, right? I mean that that team was a, that was a good team. They had Matt Nagy as head coach. Maybe Ryan Poles will bring back in Matt Nagy as a head coach. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and move on past Eberflus though. Here's the last candidate really rumored, uh, Dan Quinn which I thought initially was an interesting name, wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, but something came out from Benjamin Albright today as well. 
And he says, everybody wants Dan Quinn. He's literally the hottest name this cycle. I don't know what to tell you if you think Dan Quinn and Vic Fangio are the same guy, near polar opposites. Only thing they have in common is defensive backgrounds. And then there was another tweet. I can't remember who it was, but apparently Quinn has been showing up to interviews with really convincing information as to why his tenure with the Falcons didn't end up that well. And then also he... Um, made a decision um, and also sorry they they believe that he is going to be able to build one of the best staffs out of all the candidates because he is a Andy Reid universally believed or, sorry universally loved guy in the NFL was the way that it was put um, and you know I was looking back at his Falcons track record and obviously his first year success with um, uh Jeez, I'm blanking on his name. 49ers coach, Kyle Shanahan. Um, Obviously, that offense was a result of Kyle Shanahan. And that was a really good offense. It was better than the defense. It was a really, really good offense. But I I did some homework. Uh, The Falcons didn't rank below 20th in offensive DVOA the entire time that Dan Quinn was there. So clearly, he did at least a little bit of something right as far as building his staffs go. Yeah, and I think that Honestly, when you think about this one a little bit more, Dan Quinn is someone that that might fit in very well with this Bears organization. You know, Bears organization likes to be well liked. They like to have that positive image. I think that Dan Quinn is someone that fits with that. And the whole staff building thing, I think that's a huge point. You know, with this huge, huge. I, I think that's huge with this current Bears. You know coaching search group that they have going on. I, I think that's going to be a massive point of emphasis. Not that Nagy did a terrible job with it. Um, obviously, even like Sean. kind of did, in my opinion. It, 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 we've seen worse, but I was going to say that not that Nagy did like a, a bad, terrible job with it, at least in my opinion. Um, his predecessors did like even worse, like the whole John Fox situation. We, we've joked about Dowell Loggins. This, <laughs> honestly, in all seriousness, part of why Bears teams have struggled so bad is because they have routinely terrible assistants. You know, yeah. the Nagy assistants weren't good for Fox. They were relatively trash, except for Gase and Vic Fangio, um, which, you know, they didn't even line up that well. And then you even go back past that, we like Mike Martz. All these people are just way too overdone, like cooked, just washed up. Um, and of course, Lovey Smith had the whole situation or Ron Turner for all those people that you know, are, are longtime Bears fans. Um, but it's just I think that's going to be a huge point for this this Bears coaching search and I think that actually when you think about it, it makes a lot a lot of sense for this Bears team and why they go with someone like Dan Quinn I, I I think that I would not be surprised at all at this point if it ends up being Dan Quinn um, because I think that like you said has brought convincing arguments I bring a lot of the success that that team had in their most successful years to Kyle Shanahan so I'm not mm-hmm. the biggest believer in him um, but I think the Bears might be Listen, we have to give Dan Quinn a little bit of credit also, though, for identifying Kyle Shanahan as the guy to go to the Falcons. You know, there is a skill in that, you know, and and on top of that, he also had the guy that filled in for him as defensive coordinator at the end, Raheem Morris, who's also a head coach in Canada now. Yep. So I I do think that that's a skill and something that I saw. I think the when when we look back on the Matt Nagy era, I think one of the biggest issues throughout the entire time 
was Matt Nagy, I, I think he really had a hesitancy to bring in competing offensive minds to the ball. Because if you look at the guys that he brought in as offensive coordinator, first, Bill Lazor, we can just we can go into how that was just such a dumb move to begin with, like in hindsight. Um, just because the quarterback that you're looking at or the quarterback that you're thinking about is uh, is available, that doesn't mean you should bring in an ex-coach of his. Laser had never had an offense above 20th in the NFL. Um, and I, even though we saw an increase over him, the Nagy, I, it, just, I, it didn't work out well. The other guy, Mark Helfrich, who was Oregon's head coach before that, got fired. Uh, just kind of a Man, weird I, name I to bring in. That, honestly. Yeah, just so... He, I mean, he was the guy uh, under the Mariota years. He was the head coach during the Mariota years at, yeah, at Oregon. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. They, almost won the national championship against. Uh, they lost to Ohio State, um, but like it's just another weird name to bring into. And I think even if you look back at when Nagy got COVID and he couldn't coach for that week, the decision to have Tabor as the <laughs> as the main guy, I think he had a hesitancy to bring that guy. And Matt Nagy all along, I think, just wanted to be a coordinator. When you look at Dan Quinn, he actually was allocating the defensive duties to other coaches, which I think is, like, honestly, very important. And it's a big reason why a lot of offensive head coaches or defensive head coaches don't, their coordinators turn coaches don't work out well is because they're so hesitant to allocate their duties. You need to remember that head coach does way more than just a coordinator. He has to set the tone for the team. He needs to be in the offensive meetings. He needs to be in the defensive meetings, no matter who you are. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I guess like the biggest thing you worry about Quinn is that he did have a lot of times where he let up some big leads. Obviously, the Super Bowl performance, his defense to that. But when you look back at it too, you have to say that like the one other thing that I feel like Dan Quinn was never given up credit for, those Falcons teams didn't end up having that much talent on them. Like they obviously had Julio Jones, obviously had Matt Ryan, but the offensive line turned to crap. The defensive players they drafted had looked good at first and then just never really turned out. They they did never really turned out and they still haven't gotten any traction. Which sure you can blame a little bit on Dan Quinn, but I don't if Dan Quinn, even if it's not with the Bears, ends up having success, it would not surprprise me. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you brought up a great point too with the kind of recruiting staff, you know, bringing on the Kyle Shanahan. Got to give him credit for that. So, and as to the naggy point, I mean, you almost kind of wish that he listened to Helfridge a little bit more because that would be mm-hmm. kind of that scheme a little bit would work a hell of a lot better for Matt or for Mitchell Trubisky than yeah. whatever Matt Nagy was trying to pull Seriously. week in, week out. Seriously. And like the other thing that I, I feel like at times Bears fans get so obsessed over a, a head coach having a previous unsuccessful head coaching stint. And while I think that there are, that is a concern when they don't have that. Also, when you look back, a lot of the best coaches in the NFL did have multiple head coaching stints. Yep. You know, like even Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was the head coach for both the Giants and the Jets before he went to USC. And then he ended up becoming a great head coach for the Seahawks. Bill Belichick was the head coach for the Browns. And then wasn't he the head coach for 
or he was like an interim head coach maybe for the Jets or something like that. I can't remember, but I remember he was assistant under Bill Parcells with the Giants. But I, I know yeah. that he was his true head coaching was the Bills, which he or not the Bills, the Browns, the Browns. Yeah. yeah, my bad. Which was wildly w- unsuccessful, and he got fired. <laughs> so yeah, after only a couple of years, uh, even guys like Andy Reid, obviously it was a little different there because he had like what like a ten year stint with the Eagles. Yeah, and he he was just like he. Made it to the NFC Championship like every year with Donovan McNabb and Ryan Westbrook and just couldn't get anything done. So yeah, so I, I guess at you know Dan Quinn is by Dan Quinn is not the worst person the Bears could hire by a long shot. Certainly not by a long certainly shot. Certainly not. Certainly not. Um, but I guess like out of these guys, man, who who are you thinking? Who are you thinking right now? I'd say it's got to be between Eberflus and uh, and Dan Quinn, and I'd say I guess my pick out of those would be you give Eberflus the shot. You know, I'm always for kind of bringing in the young, young, fresh ideas. Not that you know mm-hmm. he's overly young; he's in his fifties, but kind of bringing in the, the the newer coordinator, getting that new mm-hmm. shot. But I think Dan Quinn, as far as some of these people that have been on um, on previous te- or been a head coach on previous teams. And even like even what he did with the Dallas defense this past mm-hmm. year, I one mean, year. one year. I mean, it was such a huge change. Um, and and I know that things you know changed a little bit on the Dallas defense, but really, you know, aside from like the addition of Micah Parsons, there really wasn't anything super outlandish as far as additions go, and they did incredibly well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I I think that we can at least rest assured that. I, I was very afraid it was going to be Leslie Frazier on these lists. Looks like we've avoided that Dodge catastrophe. Yeah. So like anything above that and <laughs> now I think is uh, good. And I think honestly, Leslie Frazier's performance, I, I honestly don't even know what he does on that defense. Like, is he calling the defense or is that Sean McDermott's job? Cause he's not even like, when you think of like the concerns as far as like a guy like uh, Nathaniel Hackett, very similar concerns should be voiced with Leslie Frazier because he's under a defensive head coach. I don't even know if he calls the defensive play calls in. Um, but I have to say, I, I, I hope that we give a little more attention to guys like Brian Dable and um, Byron Leftwich, though. Yeah. I like it's it's still bugging me that we aren't getting second interviews from either of those guys as of now. Yeah, Leftwich was I'd say probably my guy from the jump in this whole coaching search, and you know I'll stand by it. I think that he can be very successful as a head coach. I don't really have too many doubts about him. I know some people do, and I don't blame them, but I don't. Um, and, and I think Dabble is a, a good choice. It looks like he's probably just bound to go to the Giants. Honestly, it's kind of just the way it seems yeah. to me. Um, I was, uh, and I actually meant to mention this. I was thinking that too until I saw the Giants interview Dan Quinn today, and then they sent an interview request to one of the coaches on uh, Dallas's staff or defensive coordinator. So I'm like, okay, they're already looking at coordinator positions. Dan Quinn might end up in in uh, in, in New York. Who is who is deciding that quickest is the way to go with this whole process? New yeah. York is trying to get everything done first, which yeah, I guess applaud them but at the same time oh man you no, just hope it works out the for them because they're they're in a, a troubled place as well <laughs> certainly so all right man well I, I think that's all the news we have for today um 
any final thoughts on this coaching search, GM search? You want to give us who you're hoping for right now um, out of our, out of the, it seems like the candidates are available to us. You know what? I, I think that as far as the GM search goes, probably leaning towards Ryan Poles, to be honest. I, I think that he mm-hmm. would bring in some great things. Um, you know, Wolf from New England, though. I don't think would be a bad choice either. And I don't think that Morocco Brown is a bad choice. Um, I know that kind of him being a finalist is is a little bit of a weird thing, (laughs) but it seems like, you know, he's certainly in that group that they're, they're looking at with their, their final looks. And then at head coach out of the finalist, I would probably say, I'd say Eberflus with Dan Quinn being a close second behind. And then, you know, Byron left, which has been my guy. So if some, if the tides change real quick and, you know, somehow it all of a sudden points to Byron left, I think I'll be a very happy man. Um, but that's not looking very likely at this point. Another point I want to mention is that a lot of these guys that we've seen second interview requests from, I've noticed have been guys who have recently gotten other second interview requests. So I kind of wonder if the bears are partially sending these out, uh, just as a way to convey interest to these guys um, and uh, as they kind of figure out their GM position. Uh, Could be. But we'll, we, we will see, I guess, with that. I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm still high on Morocco Brown. I'm going to stick with Morocco Brown, and I'm going to stick with Iberflus. I, I, I would like to see that tandem coming from the Colts, um, bringing a little bit, seeing how they can kind of bring a little bit of that Colts culture here. Uh, very obviously well-respected front office and coaching staff. Uh, not that the Colts have been all that successful, but I, I do think that they would be able to do some good things for this Bears organization. And two guys on the more innovative front, I would say. Ryan Poles is like a very close second to Morocco Brown. Again, don't know what these guys are saying in the interviews. Um, and it would be interesting to see a guy that has less of a pure scouting background running the team uh, like Ryan Poles. But, at you know, I, I, I don't think that either. Right now, we're not in uncharted territory. It's not like we're looking at a John Fox hire down, you know, right in front of us. I think that there are... I would like to also see, you know, obviously Byron Lefwich, uh, Brian Dable, and I would also like to see Brian Flores get a second interview. I don't understand why we're not giving him a second interview. Uh, yeah, there might be yeah. more to that to that situation, and and we'll see how it all plays out. And, you know, and, and what you really got me thinking about after this podcast is just, you know, what could a Dan Quinn, you know, full staff, optimal staff just look like, you know? and. Mm-hmm. You know, is that possibly the best choice? I think that's something to at least think on for a little bit. But Certainly. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. We know this is a quicker podcast, but we're hoping to bring you guys another one uh, potentially this week. We, we're kind of waiting. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the news to drop, really, because uh, we know how annoying these hypotheticals can get. I mean, we've been talking about this for how long now? Um forever Too but long. listen since november listen, honestly seriously listen even since last year since 2020 yeah, true <laughs> you know uh but listen guys please leave us a rating and review uh if you're listening right now especially you are one of our top listeners we need you guys to be leaving us ratings and reviews so we'd really really appreciate it uh I love reading the ratings and seeing what funny things you guys have to say why don't you go ahead and do this listen if you're going to leave us a rating and review um, let us know who you want the head coach GM of the Chicago Bears to be. Put that in the thing, and we're going to read them off. Uh, if we get any, we're going to read them off on the start of next podcast and give us your reasoning. You can also send us an email to 
Uh, if you, uh, we, but also please leave us a rating review if you're doing that as well, but you can send us an email. Our email is always in the description and letting us know who you want to be the head coach GM and giving us your reason why. Yeah. And hold up, hold up one, one last thing before we get off here. Um, for the people that make it this long, rest in peace to Les Grobstein. I know Austin is not really the, uh, the sports radio listener in Chicago. Um, but as someone that grew up listening six, seven, the score, um, and would just be awake mm. for whatever reason late on a school night. You know, rest in peace, Les Grobstein, someone that was uh, a huge name in sports radio. Um, but yep, we'll end it off there. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, Les Grobstein. Um, it's been unfortunate how many great sports coverage oh, yeah. uh, guys we've lost this year. I mean, it's just it's this past winter. Terrible. My goodness. Yeah, seriously, it's um, it's been it's been terrible, but. Um, at the end of the day, I, I have to say that these guys, uh, they've influenced a lot of people. They've inspired, you know, happiness and, uh, you know, they've, they've, they, I think that without a lot of the Chicago media guys, uh, it would make this journey of being a bears fan a lot more difficult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We certainly got our cast of characters. Um, and yeah, it, it makes, it makes being a podcast too. I mean, getting to kind of look at all that information and kind of being like a secondary source in a way um, mm-hmm. and being able to take what they're saying off the beat and we can reflect on it and do these hypotheticals on it. It's always, always better with a little bit, you know, funnier journalism, I guess. <laughs> Certainly. And, uh, you know, obviously we can only hope to be half the, re- if you even want to call us reporters, which we're really we're not, not, but even, even half the, media commentators that some of these guys have been so thank you guys so much um and bear down guys bear down